All opinions and views expressed on this podcast do not reflect official policy or position of the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, or the United States government. Hello, airmen, soldiers, sailors, Marines, guardians, and all the rest of you humans out there, and welcome to Engage, a joint based McGuire Dick Slakehurst diversity and inclusion podcast. I'm your host, Chip. And I'm Rafi. And we have a very special episode today, another first for, the, uh, for you engagers out there. Um, we're, we're doing a Zoom recording because of our guest, who's is a very special and awesome guest. Uh, many of you might have met him uh, on base. Uh, a couple months ago during our CAF Day events, um, we have a guest speaker. Uh, uh, he's a founder of Deal, Solution, Deal Solutions Group. He's a former Air Force veteran. Um, he's done over 100 seminars and lessons on diversity and inclusion to Fortune 500 companies in the Department of Defense. Uh, engagers, let me introduce you to uh, Mr. O'Shawn Jefferson. Sir, how are you doing today? Tell us a little bit about yourself. And uh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, uh, virtually, as it's been for the last few years. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's a little weird to hear Mr. Jefferson because I just retired way back in the uh, late tens, you know, 2019, <laughs> the early 20s. But yeah, I graduated back, uh, graduated and earned my uh, retirement D, uh, DD214 back in 2019. Um, I retired as a U, a Chip Master Sergeant. So best rank in the world, he said this, right? Um, <laughs> I, it's the only reason why I'm still in it is because I got this. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had a, had a great opportunity uh, after retirement. Um, I, I ended my career at Air, at the Air University down in Maxwell, uh, where I got to instruct and um, had the opportunity to teach uh, about ten thousand leaders in that time, um, from O ones to to E nines. Just uh, talking digital leadership at the time. That was the big thing when information as a joint function got introduced. And then uh, when I retired, I headed up to the Defense Information School where I had the opportunity to rewrite um, how, how we go through PACS-Q. So it's kind of that, my last give back to the military is go back to tech school and all right, here's, here's everything I learned and left. But what I got a chance to do the whole time I was on active duty is really talk about this thing we call diversity, inclusion, and belonging. And then of course, after the, the, the death of George Floyd and, and on top of that being locked down in 2020, uh, it's become the subject du jour. Du jour. Um, since 2015, 71% increase in hirings uh, for diversity, inclusion, belonging officers. So obviously, this is an important to topic that we're talking about today. Yeah, I, again, I appreciate you coming and talking to us today. And I, I'm super excited. Usually, Rafi's the, 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 the subject matter expert on the show. And uh, now I've got, I got to talk with two subject matter experts at once. But I, you know, most importantly, I love talking with people and finding out their stories and their perspectives and ideas on, on the topics. Um, Rafi, uh, big guest. I'm assuming we got a big uh, topic today. What's up? So today we're actually going to be talking about diversity and inclusion strategy in the workplace. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of something different. Instead of me giving the definition, we're going to allow Mr. Oshan to give the definition of what diversity inclusion strategy is so the diversity inclusion strategy if we're talking about the definition of that is really keeping that momentum right it's going beyond kind of the discussions we've had so when you have uh, a lot of diversity education where we talk unconscious bias where we uh, kind of talk of definitions 
and I'll, and I'll start with the key definitions uh, in, uh, in 2021. Here are the, the six big, the big six as we call them. There's diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, equality, justice. So when you look at the big six, what everybody's kind of uh, kind of talking about, diversity is kind of a all-encompassing word, but when you're talking about strategy, we're really talking about having an impact. What are we gonna do about it? Because it has to be something beyond the conversation. What actions are we gonna take to really impact uh, recruiting and retention, to really impact you know, how we see each other as inclusive leaders, and to uh, make sure that you have sustainable practices that get beyond uh, the four Fs. And here's what the four Fs is. It's kind of defined by the Global Center for Inclusion. They call the four Fs fun, food, fiesta, and fetish. So if you find yourself having fun, hey, let's, let's celebrate this culture today, or let's eat this food, or let's have a party. <laughs> Our fetish is let's try on this, you know, this thing and have a symbolic or virtue signaling moment. We want to get uh, beyond that. That's a great start, but, but having a real strategy is really getting after, um, looking at how we can work uh, as collaborative teams, how we can uh, maybe change uh, systems and make them more inclusive, and, and really how we can carry ourselves as inclusive leaders. Hopefully that was enough <laughs> and clear. Yeah, I, 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 that was a lot. I'm, I'm actually taking notes. So like, there's a lot of times I, I'm actually, that was terrible phrasing on my, my part. I, I usually take notes while I'm talking with, with guests um, or when I'm at seminars uh, talking and this is uh, something I like to hear. You, you, um, this is the first time I heard about the four F's and like the beginning steps to, 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 to the strategy. Uh, if you get a chance to listen to our other podcasts, you might already have, like Rafi likes to point out to our guests all the times that I'm a big foodie. I love to cook. I love to eat. Um, so like you had my attention right there. Fun and food. Oh yeah. And a party. All right, cool. Um, Rafi, I'm sure Rafi's got a direction he wants us to go. And I've got a lot of questions, especially based off the seminar that you, uh, you hosted with us um, a, a couple months ago. Um, and I know you got a ton of information, metrics and how to track this and 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 ways to go forward and how to gather feedback from subordinates and peers and and uh, and how to deliver it to to leaders and things of that nature um rafi you got it you got a, a direction you want to go with us yeah so that was a great definition and you know what that reminds me of is a simple example um it's being invited to the party diversity and being asked to dance inclusion so it's like, I like that example because it's so simple and it's easy to understand where you, when you break up diversity and inclusion, if you give those two examples, it, it, it's a little bit more easier to understand. Um, but when we go into strategy, people often need to understand what their strategy needs to focus on. And what I like is I looked at Colorado University and what they did is they came up with two fundamental questions that every organization should should kind of try to ask themselves. And this is like just a starting point. It, starting point it's not the starting point. So there's many different strategy, strategies you can take, but this is one that I kind of like um, to, to go off of. Um, so is, does the individual or individuals feel as though they are being treated as an insider within the organization? In other words, does the person experience a high or a low sense of belongingness? That's one of that's one of the uh, big terms that you pointed out. And then 
does the individual feel that their uniqueness is valued within the organization? And with the word value, I want to dive a little bit into that before I let you guys have your conversation. Think of the word value as not just like, hey, okay, this is cool, but actually valued, like actually considered as a part of that person and as a contributing factor to who that person is and not just like, hey, okay, you know, you're, 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 you're foreign or you're, you're, you're uh, gay or lesbian or so on. And, and that's, you know, um, we, we acknowledge that, but are they valued for being who they are? So well, with that, I'll, uh, I'll let you guys get started on, on your conversation um, and try to focus in on how you can identify some of the things to focus your strategy on. Yeah, um, I, I can talk first if you want, Oshan, or, or um, if, if you've got something to add, I, I'll, I'll let you go first, sir. No problem. I'll, 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 I'll um, tag on to Rafi. So, well, Rafi, you kind of okay. went to belonging. So you kind of talked about um, what diversity inclusion is. You know, one is, being, uh, is uh, being invited to the dance, being asked to dance, but belonging is getting to actually pick a song, right? So those are, those are, those are, those are the differences. It's when I get a choice, now I belong because now you're, and enjoying a, a piece of, of what I do. And I really like those, those definitions to kind of to, to, to start a conversation. So, so let's give a quick setup. Like, how do we get here? And, and, if you, if you, and, and I think you talked about value. So value is not a new conversation. 1948, the UN kind of wrote the Declaration of Human Rights. And in 1948, they said, every human deserves this thing called dignity, human dignity. So when you're talking about value, you know, the United Nations actually de uh, defined it. They brought a whole bunch of countries together and said, hey, every person, regardless if they're your enemy or your friend, you know, they're coming off of World War II, they're worthy of dignity, right? Human dignity, basic dignity. Um, and then you flash forward to 1964, the, the kind of the, the beginnings of diversity, inclusion, belonging. It starts with the, uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So when you kind of look at these terms, they've been around for a long time. Uh, 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 when, when you got in trouble before the Civil Rights Act, they sent you to sensitivity training. Uh, <laughs> so, so now after that, you kind of have the, these terms. So they've been around for a minute. So the question is, and, and as we get started, is thinking if we've had these terms for so long, why do some of these problems persist? And that's where your strategy comes in. But Chip, I'm gonna sit back and hear what questions you have and, and then we'll go from there. But I just want to set the parameters, give a little backstory yeah. to add to what you, what you, uh, what you uh, said, Rafi. That's a great point you brought up. Thank and thank you, for, yeah, thank you for the additional information um, on it as well, Sean. Uh, so I was, I, I just want to briefly talk about, uh, right? I by no means do I have the answers for everything. I, I do know that there's things that I do that I, I, I feel like I'm a successful. Well, I don't. I feel like I'm a successful leader and human being in this world because I, I like to foster communication. That's the way I show to my, uh, my friends, my people that I meet wherever it is. Uh, belonging is is I, I want to get to know you. I want to know what makes you tick. I, I want to make uh, you feel like you're comfortable to talk to me. I want to create an atmosphere to where you can uh, talk to me. We had Chief Riley on yesterday. She talked about having your person, your uh, somebody that you can talk to and just unload, like without fearing talking to them. Um, I try to be as personable as possible with every individual, especially if it's somebody that works for me or with me or that I work for. So that way I can establish that trust um, and, and psychological safety, so to speak, uh, and, and that kind of environment. So um, to me, showing somebody 
that they belong with me or they belong with the mission or whatever we're doing requires me to get to know you very personally and and to show you that you can trust yourself around me and talk to me and, and with without fear of repercussion um, uh, of how I'm going to react or, or if I'm going to get crazy on you or emotional or something. I don't I don't know if you have some other strategies on a one on one level uh, outside of that, outside of building trust to show somebody that they they belong with you or belong in your group. Um, but that that's my go to. I, I know there's plenty of different approaches and tactics for 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 making somebody feel belong like they belong uh, and this is what's worked with me with past supervisors that's why i use it like that's how my the supervisors that i look look up to and mentors that i have i look up to they made me feel safe around them they made me feel like i belong they took the time to, to get to know me so so i think i think uh you know when when you're when you're talking about on a personal one-on-one -on -one level right and this is why it's so 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 important so let's set the parameters because I think we we kind of talk about diversity inclusion in this box of of personalities, but why is it important to the bigger picture? Why should everybody care about diversity, inclusion, belonging, justice, dignity, equity, and, and equality? So when you, when you when you think about these things from this perspective, if I can't bring my whole self to work, and I can't, and I don't feel I don't have trust and I don't feel valued, I'm never going to kind of put put my mind into the workplace. If I'm thinking that you don't like me because of my race, my gender, um, my background or whatever, and I don't feel that sense of belonging, I'm not going to contribute as much uh, to the force. And here's why that's important to the, the United States Air Force in 2022. So the years 2026 to 2021, you're going to have 300,000 less people in the workforce. That's from the dynamic, uh, the, the, um, the economic downturn from 2008. Um, the United States also have a, has a 1.75 total fertility rate. And currently, only 71% of people ages 17 to 29, 71% um, of people ages 17 to 29 are not even eligible to join the armed services. So when you when you take away less people and only have that 29%, if you don't have an inclusive workforce, you're not going to attract talent. And talent's already uh, pretty low. Slim pickings, yeah. Slim pickings already. And so when you think about what the DOD has in front of it, right, you're living in an era too where when I brought up information as a joint function. So there is no combatant commander in the United States military that's ever planned a, a campaign with information as a joint function as a consideration, which means I need fresh ideas, new innovation coming from the force, right? We're gonna build the way we war fight tomorrow, especially when it comes to misinformation, cyber warfare. We're, we're, we're developing new tactics and techniques. Uh, when you think about artificial intelligence and machine learning, and smart cities. So all these, all basically, all these outside entities that we're that that we're trying to solve in the first place, you need everybody's brain engaged, right? I need diversity of thought. I need diversity of experience. I need all those people on the team. So when we're talking about that. How, why is it important on that one-on-one -on -one level that I trust my supervisor, that I feel included, that that um, they value what I bring to the table. You have to, and you look at the big picture. It's an imperative that I feel like I belong, um, that you see me, right? Because as an airman, we all say we're airmen, but you know, you're also Chip and you're also Rafi. You're you're also an individual, and I should be able to bring that to work, right? That's that's where my ideas and experience come from. And if that's not valued, and you just want me to be just an airman and fall in line, well, that's where you know that's where traditional tradition comes from. Our cognitive entrenchment, where we're all stuck doing the same thing, because that's why we always done it. <laughs> So yeah. when you kind of look at so when you look at the big picture, the importance why you need to have a strategy for diversity and inclusion. 
we're in an era right now that's unprecedented, right? Uh, COVID was unprecedented, still is, right? We're, we're living with COVID versus post-COVID. Um, we're, we're learning how to work like this, right? Remote, a lot of, probably had a lot of meetings in this configuration where you're looking at your troops. <laughs> how you doing? What's yeah. your feedback? So, so when you kind of look at the way we're fighting and the way we're gonna have to fight tomorrow, it's, it's an imperative for the Air Force to get this right because it's, it's a force multiplier. Um, it's, it's more than just the right thing to do, right? So there's a business imperative and there's a moral imperative that if we get those both right, we'll have a quality, equity and great ideas going forward. You know, what you guys are talking about, it kind of reminds me of something that here <laughs> back in the day. Um, I'm sure everyone, and it's, it's a good thing that we're all, we're all act, either active duty or veterans because I'm sure all of us have heard this term, don't rock the boat, right? Like, like, hey, just make sure you don't rock the boat. And what that actually does is when you hear that, especially when you're talking about a, a person, right? Like, like you're, you're, it's, it's a term called assimilation. And basically the people like under this term feel a sense of belonging. They feel like they, they belong to the organization, but there's a cost to, to their belonging. They have to hide certain parts of them or, or certain things about themselves in order to belong to the group or, or feel a part of the group. Um, so that's where the don't rock the boat concept comes in. And what actually happens to these people, uh, multiple research has been done, actually a, a bunch of research from, uh, from, from uh, uh, Columbia University and Colorado State University. Um, they both did research on this. And what they found is on, on the human psyche and on the human person, when you are when when you are assimilating yourself or basically um, fake it till you make it is another term that you you often hear um, where you're hiding a portion of yourself in order to feel that sense of belonging. What that does is it causes negative aspects of, of yourself and they found that you, you will age better. It causes more personal strain. Um, anxiety levels go up. Um, you, you can name it. And, and as we talked about before on this podcast, uh, mental health is not something that, that needs to get ignored. If you can see someone walk in to your workplace and they're sick right now, especially in, in the days that we live in, if I walk into your per workplace and start coughing, you, you can definitely tell that there's something wrong, right? Well, and my work will suffer and, and uh, you know, it, it, it runs the risk of getting everyone else sick. Well, mental health also runs the risk of getting everyone else sick. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because um, I like that we jumped into a little bit of history too, because you bought you brought up um, some some of the some of the advances we've made in civil rights, and I want to bring in what a company did early on in the 1990s. So it was 1993. IBM uh, made did something pretty historical in my eyes. Um, if, if everyone remembers what was going on with IBM back in in the, in the early 90s, um, they they were starting to fail as a company, um, and they hired a new CEO. And the CEO went in to turn around the company. And what, what they don't talk about a lot is what was part of the strategy of what he did. And what this person did is basically um, he looked at his staff and he made diversity and inclusion strategy a core concept of the company. They, he didn't take it in as, and just look at it as a HR policy, right? Like he made it a part of the company's strategy. And it, it, it actually became the cornerstone of IBM and, and literally is, is still used today. Um, so like rather than, than sit there and eliminate uh, discrimination was, 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 was the uh, common, common cause or common uh, industry standard was, hey, just go, just go eliminate, um, eliminate it by ignoring it, not talking about it, 
um, you know, if, if, if you start talking about it as an HR problem and so on like that. So they started, instead of doing that, what he did is he created eight task forces um, and their, their main focus was, was to focus on different, different groups such as Asians, gays and lesbians, uh, women, blacks um, and other foreign, foreign nationals. Um, and because he understood like, hey, these are not just our employees. These are not just our, um, our industry partners but they're also our customers too, right? Um, so, so, and that's, he wanted to appeal to the broader set of employees and customers. And, and that's what he did. Um, and one of the thing, one of the, one of the cool, uh, strategies from that he bought up from this was the, uh, constructive disruption strategy where basically he, he, he made a strategic goal to disrupt the norms that people had and, and, um, basically, uh, place himself in there. Um, with these strategies. And I just want to kind of give that to you guys as like a talking point. Um, what would be some constructive destruction or disruption points you guys can think of to actually disrupt the, 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 the normal flow of, of some of these issues that we have in diversity and inclusion and make it and, and start changing it and making it a normal thing? Well, I think I think we have to first uh, understanding that inclusive leadership. Let's just let's just say what it is, right? I can take you to a thousand trainings in the world, and you're not gonna, you know, you, it's gonna bounce off you. So it starts with self leadership. So the, the the one thing that we have to kind of inspire the people to do, because I'll be honest with you, and I and I told this to uh, uh, Master Sergeant Baker when when we we talked before that diversity and inclusion training without accountability is just theater. So, the, so first things first, the reason why um, IBM made that part of the inclusion strategy and, and actually and he, and he hammered it is because he made it a, an, an accountability thing. And, and if I don't want to change, right, I mean, we, we've all, we can sit here, if we talk about our favorite sports teams, I, I can sit here and tell you the team I like, you can tell me the team you're, you're like, and I'm not going to change your mind. That's going to take self-leadership, right? You'd have to go home with that information and then give me a reason. So I think first things first is, if, if you're going to say, I want to start sparking change, then you got to give people a blueprint for what does inclusive leadership look like in my organization. And it does look like somebody who tips over the boat, right? You're going to tip over the boat because the way we've always done it sometimes ain't the right way. And so when I'm thinking about diversity, I'm not just looking at, am I treating people with dignity and respect, but are the systems set up the right way, right? Diversity is also um, you know, if we if using change management, this, you know, Lewin's instead of S7, or <laughs> we're going to use this approach versus that approach. It's, it's diversity of approaches. So when you just have an organization that's living a life of diversity, it's not, it, it doesn't only impact the way we treat people, but it impacts in the way we work in the organization. I should be able to see it and witness it. It should be in the way I think and, and live. I, I look around the room and I don't just look for representation, empty representation, because you want representation but you also want um, representation of thought. You want representation of look, you want representation of, of, of background. You want everybody in the room so you can get all those opinions. Uh, when, I was in the, when I was in the military, everything, everybody wanted you to have a CCAF and a bachelor's. And, and those are good things, like degrees are great things to have. There's a great book called Range uh, that's written by Dave Epstein. It's become like a staple in, in, uh, in, in corporate America right now. Uh, and what they're finding is, um, I can hire a degreed person and that's great, but is that the, is that the right person for the job? Does, does, the, master's, does the master's degree or, or does becoming a chief or a colonel automatically qualify you to solve this problem? 
or do we need somebody with a unique perspective? We're, we're not always, we're, we're not looking at the right things. We're assembling teams. And I think Adam Grant has a great example of this in his book, Think Again, where he talks about all the rocket scientists when the O-rings blew up, right? He said, the point is they were all rocket scientists and couldn't figure it out because they didn't have diversity of thought. <laughs> so yeah. you, can, you can have the smartest people in the room. So I think it starts right there, right? It starts with self-leadership and accountability. That's, that should be part of your organizational strategy. Then the, then, the, then the other thing is you have to look at not just that qualitative data, right? You know, your diversity dimensions, who works here, how are we promoting, how are we hiring? But you need, you need, you need that quantitative data that comes from what's the quality of, of that inclusion, right? I can be happy at work and not feel included, right? I can, I can, so I, you can get a report that says, hey, Rafi's job satisfaction is high, but if I actually don't go and talk to you or talk to allies and go, yeah, I'm happy to work here, but they never include me or there's little microaggression. So let's say I'm from the LGBT community and yeah, I, I like working here, but all the jokes happen to be about me and my community. And I just let it roll off me. So the quality of your data has to be good. And that, that means you have to have diversity champions that are looking at more than just the data beyond the data. Uh, when you think about, again, a lot of the data we have is tried and true, like you have, Rafi, you have plenty of facts, like this has worked, this has made money, this has been, this has been great, but why haven't we made pro pro progress is because we really haven't gotten down to the nuance. So the one thing about strategy, strategy is a long game. You're playing a long game that doesn't have goals, right? Uh, diversity, equality, it's not a goal. So th there are milestones that you need. And I think the problem is when you say the word goal, and I had a chance to sit in this webinar and this guy was on everybody. Don't call your diversity objectives goals because a goal symbolizes an end. When we say we have a milestone, you work to the next milestone. And so when you're talking about disrupting, you're, you're, you're really uh, talking about getting everybody involved, everybody looking. And I think we kind of misuse the power. I think we've been, I've been in a lot of meetings where um, you got to have the timing right. You, you can't have gotcha moments. You got to be a bridge builder. So the reason why I talk about self-leadership and inclusive leadership first, I can't be sitting here going, hey, Rafi and Chip, do you know what Juneteenth is? And you guys say no, and I'm like, see, that's the problem, and I'm already in attack mode. Right. <laughs> and, and and so when you're trying to when you're trying to build those bridges, I need to learn. We got we got to learn with uh, teachable moments. And I can tell you what we've run into, and this is why I, I I'm going to probably harp on inclusive leadership a little bit. Um, what happens when you run into a pain you didn't cause? Because yeah, this is the key right here, uh, uh, Chip and Rafi. When you're going to run into a lot of situations where you're talking to somebody who's mad at the way it's always been, right? Because if you you could say I'm here to help, right? But it, it doesn't matter when you have pain. Like like you said, uh, you said the chief brought up somebody you have to get it out on. But when it comes to diversity, inclusion, belonging, sometimes it's you, right? You're unfortunately sitting there as you know, as if, if I'm a man, I might be getting yelled at by women for how they've been treated at the workplace. So an inclusive leader knows how to absorb that pain and go, well, where do we go from here? I'm gonna let you yell at me. I'm not gonna get defensive. Uh, you may run into that where you say, hey, you know, I'm trying to. I'm trying to learn more about, you know, uh, African-American culture. And somebody's first reply to you is gonna be like, why? Uh, who do you think you are? So being able to take a pain that you didn't cause is very important, right? Get, to get through that, to say, I'm, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna absorb that. And I'm gonna still be here because I wanna help. I wanna make this different. I wanna, I wanna change that. And, 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 and what people wanna see is actions. So when you talk about IBM, IBM, IBM is, has blessed us not only with that, they bless us with this thing called Kinevin. It's one of my, 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 favorite, my favorite things. <laughs> so the Kinevin process is how do you get from chaos to simplicity? 
when you think about diversity, inclusion, and belonging, it's chaotic. And it's a lot, right? It's not just race and gender. It's also, you know, hiring. It's also compensation. Are, are we paying everybody the same? Um, even though we have a great promotion program, do I find myself gravitating more to people who look like me and where I'm from? And here's one thing we have to admit. If I'm from a place and you meet somebody from that same place, it's human nature to gravitate towards somebody. It's not, it's not a bad thing, but you have to be conscious of it that, am I doing this? Am I applying this to everything that I'm doing? That's how you can miss out on representation. Or is the way I see solving a problem and only putting a certain amount of people in the room, do I only see it as a senior NCO thing? And, and, and here's, here's the funny, I laugh at this all the time. I taught at a war college. I'm, I'm, I'm retired now, so uh, anybody listening to me talking. <laughs> <laughs> but I, well, when I worked at the War College, uh, myself and uh, I was working with a major, Gene Duggan, at the time, we would teach colonels or other majors. And when I taught in my uniform, the feedback would be, why am I being taught by a senior NCO and a major? I expect to you know, hear from a senior leader who's been there and done that. So the War College's great idea was, hey, just wear, just wear a suit and a tie and that'll get over the students. So same students, now that they have just a different outfit on, this is genius. This is smart. We need more people like you in the workplace. Why is that? Why, why is it that we marginalize talent? Or why is it when an airman walks in, we automatically think we're going to get less? Or, oh, there's a lieutenant. You know, there's certain stereotypes even in the military, right? Lieutenants are dumb and airmen don't know anything. So if, if we're going to get the best idea, there's, if, if LeBron James exists, then there's airmen that come right in and they're ready to do it. There's tech sergeants that that lead better than some chiefs. Um, so so when you're talking about really looking at talent, uh, your uniform, if Rafi, I take your uniform off, Chief, I take your uniform off, is, would people still follow you if you didn't have that uniform on? If you're really being an inclusive leader and doing your job and you're really that person and, and, you're, and you're really actually out here caring about people, is it the rank they're respecting or is it you? And you have to care about that. So that's why I said self-leadership comes first. Bottom line is the foundation of, of, of rocking the boat and strategy. The next thing is, is, is not just doing it symbolic. I think a lot of times what I've seen is uh, diversity inclusion is a side job for a lot of people. So if you look in the AB, I, I, IBM case, he made it a pillar of the job. Like they hired people to do that. They brought teams together. Kind of like what you're doing here um, um, in New Jersey. You, you, you actually have a dedicated team and say, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do podcasts. We're going to put together programs, we're gonna have days dedicated because you wanna lay that educational foundation down to actually take action. And so taking action is the key. Um, to talking about change is one thing, but you gotta show it. Uh, are you, Chip, uh, Raph, are you guys married? I am, yeah. All right. Yeah, we both are, yes, sir. So, so both married, right? So can you imagine just dating, dating somebody and never showing it, but saying I love you all the time, but never actually showing it, just, just having meetings and rallies and having fun days. Uh, eventually, yeah. you know, if, if you're dating somebody and, and they, they believe in the tradition of marriage, they're gonna expect you to pop the question. <laughs> they're gonna expect right. you to take an, take an action upon your, your words. So when you kind of look at that, are we really looking at our hiring and recruiting? Um, uh, when we have a person of color or a woman that's been promoted, do we just celebrate the first or where's the next? When we're talking about white males like you, are you feeling included? Are we creating another paradigm shift where we're just leaving out, you know, the next group? One thing that we don't have a degree in is actual inclus inclusivity and actual equity. So this is something, this is a learning process. 
where people where when you're targeting a group and you kind of see this in some organizations target groups become enemies because people get you know jealous or angry or feel left out so if we're actually talking about leveling the playing field this really takes being conscious so after that inclusive leadership your next step is making sure that your diversity statement and, and where you're going with your diversity a program is clear but then you have to have diversity champions that are doing more than just um looking at uh, race and gender so i kind of created this thing called the cave you really get after um uh, uh, your quantitative data so cave is uh, if you kind of think of the concept of a cave a cave is deep and scary right but it needs to be explored we have to have we have to explore caves there's a great thing in caves there can be treasure or if you look at the at the at the end of it there can be a giant spider waiting to eat us all uh, <laughs> but we have to be able we, we have to be able to, uh, to get through it my grandmother said this when i was growing up most people spend their life getting rid of the cobwebs in life what we really got to do is kill the spider so a lot, of, a lot of our diversity problems and issues are the symptoms of a bigger problem. So getting to, you know, old school, right? Root cause, everybody, we've heard root cause analysis. We have to get down right. to the bottom line of what it is. And it's gonna be a people, uh, a process, mindset, or technology issue. So when we think about diversity, why is technology? Because access, right? If I'm a person with a disability, you know, or is the technology being used in ways that I have access? Can I get into the building? Can I be included? So when we're thinking about all the ways that that people are diverse. Are we thinking about that every day? Um, you and I, Chip, I don't have mine on right now. Maybe Raffi is a is a is he's the only person with good eyes. But wearing glasses <laughs> is a dis, is a disability, right? Um, right. We can't see as good as everybody else. And this is this is low level, we, but we won't see ourselves as disabled either because a person with glasses is accepted. Right. We're already we, we have right. a sense of belonging. Nobody excludes us. But if I'm in a wheelchair or if I'm deaf or maybe if I, you know, maybe I have autism or, or something, I, we're not included like everybody else. Even a person with glasses goes, look at that person in the wheelchair. Sometimes we're contributing to the to uh, the, to the exclusion. So, so we don't think about that, right? And then when, when it's brought to our attention, we're sitting there like, when something's brought to my attention, what do I do about it? How do I fix it? And so when, it's, when it comes to getting work, it starts with the, the, those awkward conversations that may happen. Got to be comfortable with being awkward. Great book called Inclusive Conversations by Mary Frances uh, Winner. <laughs> Our, uh, she also wrote a book called We Can't um, Talk About That at Work. And there's another great book uh, on I just said that. What do I do next? Uh, it's by Vernon Myers. <laughs> so, so you kind of, <laughs> so you think about those awkward conversations you may have to have. Is it's it's really thinking about inclusivity, inclusivity, and all of our diversity in in a whole, and that's one part of it, right? Those are those moral things. I need to do the right things for the right reasons, and and so when you're looking at those categories, mindset, um, people, process, technology. So one of the things I took is the agile model. And then um, agile is is a uh, uh, when they say mindset, we grow out our global leadership, our, our our global mindset. So a global mindset means if you ever went to the business school, if you ever went to Thunderbird School, it just means you you kind of understand uh, cultural intelligence, business intelligence. You read a lot of biographies, um, you read a lot of business books, you have a lot of face to face conversations, you understand a lot of different cultures. So when you have a global mindset, you're more patient. When you're getting to know somebody or there's a language barrier or or, or there's or, or there's culture or just differences you're more cognizant of it as we travel the world and being in the military i deployed six times right going to afghanistan iraq 
Dubai, all the countries that they send us to, we get to experience a lot of cultures. And you can't just, you know, jump on the table and say, America, everybody speak English. That's not what we do, right? We, we, find, we find ways to, to learn and appreciate uh, different, different cultures that we should. Um, the other thing when you're thinking about people, it's not just thinking about representation of, of race, gender. We need, we need that. That's very important. But it's also background levels. Um, I understand degrees are important. I have degrees now because they made me go get them. But I was a smart person before they gave me the degrees. You know, we, we kind of do that because that's what the jobs requires. But are we, are we passing up people who maybe have certifications? Are we passing up people that has, have a perspective that's very intelligent? I think I think if a piece of paper, and I, and I think both of us, I think we all can agree on this. I've met a whole bunch of people with degrees, who, you know, their levels of what I would call, what, what we define as smart. <laughs> they may be smart at one thing. My mother's a doctor, so I'll, I'll couch it like this: she is a clinical psychologist. What you wouldn't want her doing is doing brain surgery on you, right? So some people who are, have a degree, they're good at the thing they're degreed in. They may not be good at anything else. So, so we, we, sometimes when we get an SME, they're too SME and they don't, or they don't have street knowledge. So I can have a degree and be a terrible people person, I have no personality and I don't know how to talk to people. And, and if it's not logical, then it doesn't make sense. So you need to have that person that, that just sees it different. And sometimes that's a person without a degree, right? We're, the one thing that when I was on, uh, still in the military, we, we suck at evaluating human beings and talent and potential. That's, that's across the board. We, we have a way that we think of it and the way we see it and how I got here is different. I mean, God forbid if you ever get step promoted or <laughs> or, or want to <laughs> fix a problem, you know, you get pushed to the, you know, get promoted too fast. You got people who are jealous with the, of you. If you get people promoted too slow, then you got people who are judging you for different reasons. But we don't look at people holistically. We don't understand their back, you know, backgrounds. We don't, we don't get it. So I really like uh, how General Brown and, and uh, Chief Bass how they're really taking a, 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 a step back and looking at people. I think your last two, and, the, and, and, I, and I retired with a Chief Wright, Wright was uh, in charge, but I think your last two chiefs really, really wanted to get after uh, the, the people, the, the problem of people, the opportunity of people and unleashing our potential, not just as, you know, get your education and fill the box, but something substantive. And so when you're talking about strategy, bringing it back home, Rafi, it, what, what you have to do is, 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 is have substantive impact i have to be able to feel it see it touch it evaluate it be able to say yes we did this beyond talking because right now we, uh, a lot of organizations are doing a lot of talking so 2022 is about momentum and actually making the impact that people can feel i yeah. you touched on a lot of stuff there <laughs> i, I have so many notes and additional questions i'm like oh my gosh 100 100 miles uh, a minute on like all the different topics you went on so uh uh i like i i like the very first thing you said I'll, I'll start from the beginning and you said it is a uh it's it don't call it a goal call it a um you, you, yeah um and it reminds me of Simon Sinek because Simon Sinek teaches us, um, especially if you haven't read his book, um, uh, there's, there's two books I highly recommend, or three books I'm gonna recommend here from him. Um, the first one is Start With Why. And after you read that book, you need to first, and then you need to go back and figure out, find your why. 
That's another book that a lot of people don't know that exists, but it actually helps out. I used it actually personally for me, but what's great about that book is it, it's not just an individual book. It's also designed, you can, you, you can do it with your team. And, and it is amazing because once you do that, like you'd be surprised how many inclusion items you will come up with based on that. Like, and, and you could not even be talking, uh, your purpose could not even be like, have a, have the dirt, have the term, uh, of diversity or inclusion in there, but you will find out that in order for that, that, that strategic mindset, that, that purpose, that why to come to life, you're going to need inclusion. It, it, like if you want it to be successful and then, um, but the idea of, of thinking of it as an infinite game, like a game that you cannot complete. He has a book is called infinite and finite games. And the, when we talk about goals, he talks about this in there. And basically when, when we think about our, our diversity and inclusion goals, right? Like, well, a goal has an end game. So it's a finite game, right? Like, so that means you could win a goal, like you could complete a goal. Well, here's an example that people don't think about often. What, the first one is we don't actually know how we got to the moon. And part of the reason we don't know how we, how we got to the moon in the beginning is because we lost a, a huge knowledge management failure where we didn't keep any of the mathematics of how we got to the moon. Um, it, was, it was all lost. All that talent was lost as the people retired or, or perished um, from, from, from old age because we didn't document any of those skills. Um, but the reason why I'm bringing that up is because there is a reason why we didn't care to document it anymore. And that's because our goal, when we set that goal, we are going to go to the moon. It ended when we went to the moon. <laughs> we, we finished there was no there was no more going so that's why i like simon sinek um and and, he, and he's he's also one of my favorite authors i know in in all other podcasts i've talked a lot about adam grant but but simon yeah. sinek is also one of my favorite authors because one of the things he brings up is you have to have a just cause so have a just cause when you're coming up with your purpose um something that people can get behind um, you know, and it could be something for your organization. And then it has, it has to be unobtainable. So it has to be continuous. It has to be like, like a continuous effort, like something that you cannot really obtain. So think about it like this. If I said, we are going to go to the, our, our America will go to the moon and then, and we will explore and go beyond into space. Did that go in? when we went to the moon and that's that's a pretty like there's better examples gotcha. that you, you could you could do from that that purpose but but if you make a continuous goal then it will end and then another thing too is i don't he he says this too and i see it a lot in especially in organizations when we talk about strategic strategy right so so a lot of organizations they'll they'll, they'll publish a strategic uh, 10 year plan, they'll, they'll, they'll publish a five year plan. A lot of military organizations do it as well. You might, you might not even know it exists if you're listening on this podcast and you're like, Oh, I'm part of uh, I'm part of the six to one CRW or I'm part of, you know, the 87th and you know, they, you might have a strategic goal published out there that you can, you can read. Um, but what the, what, what you got to avoid doing is saying your goal is to be the best because again, all you're doing is becoming the best and then just maintaining the status quo after that. So you're not, you're not actually doing much of improvement other than maintaining the status quo. 
what you need to do is have innovation as well with it. And by having innovation in it, and uh, again, I'm going to bring up another Harvard Business Business uh, Review. Um, it, it, you can find you can find this one on the uh, ten things that every CEO needs to know. Um, and in one of one of the one of the Harvard Business Reviews, they talk about how much percentage of effort you need to put in innovation. And it's not a it, this is not a number that every company needs to do, but a good balance with with what your uh, strategic plan is with that infinite goal is to have about 10 to 30% of, of what you are doing. And it's not just your, 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 I'm not talking balance sheets here for, for our friends in the, in the corporate world or in the LS, LLC world. I'm talking, if you take 10 to 30% of, of what you are doing, your efforts, and you add 10 to 30% of innovation and remember that innovation has a is not the definition of you know i know a lot of ncos right like oh i changed I, I i changed the tire that's innovation like we we went to a, a better brand of tire that's not innovation innovation is changing how you how the how the organization or the industry does things and and and, and the best example is, is apple's iphone you went from flip phones to an iphone that does everything that's innovation right like so, so 10 to 30% focus on innovation and that's changing the way everyone does something for the better. And then you would find if you do those steps, if you, if you do these things and part of your strategy, you cannot be successful without diversity and inclusion in it. If you do not have a diverse mentality with everything you talked about, with bringing people in with that diverse mentality, that diverse construct and, and 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 as people know on the podcast i'm not anything special i'm still working on my mba as well but there is a diverse there's a very big diversity a diverse way of how i am going about being active duty military just like how you were sir going going through being active duty military enlisted getting my degree compared to my brother who went to a uh four year six year and so on while he was a civilian and now he is a, an active duty officer. There is a big difference in how we think and how we talk. All right, gentlemen, I'm gonna have you stop right there. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with part two. Stay tuned, engagers. If you like that episode, please like and subscribe. Also follow us on Facebook. If you wish to make contact with the JBMDL Diversity and Inclusion Working Group, please email 87abw.org cvb.diversityinclusion at us.af.mil.